Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Want to teach your kids financial literacy but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. For your own pleasure, a well-hidden treasure. Pizza Chocadero. We serve delicious gourmet pizza with daily made dough, homemade sauce, and fresh toppings cut by hand. Ask us for our 2-1 special. Pizza Chocadero. Open weekdays till 9, weekends until 10. Located at 7 Municipal, north of College in Edinburgh. Proud to be an independent family-owned business. Call 519-829-2444 or visit chocadero.ca. Creative Control with Vish Khanna. Hello and welcome to episode 268 of Creative Control with Vish Khanna. I am your host, Vish Khanna. That's why the show has the name it does. On this episode, a conversation with Pup, a young hard rock band based in Toronto, Ontario, known for touring very, very hard and putting on riotous shows. Pup recently released their second album, The Dream Is Over via Side One Dummy and Royal Mountain Records, and they will soon be touring the entire planet for months and months and months and months. Ahead of their return to Guelph's Hillside Festival on the weekend of July 22nd, I met with singer and guitarist Stefan Babcock and guitarist Steve Sledkowski on Steve's porch in uh, Toronto's West End. It was uh, We met mere hours after Steve and his girlfriend found out they were being evicted a dog named Jane sat with Stefan, Steve, and I. Didn't live in the house, as far as I know. Oh, no, it did. Jane is Steve's girlfriend's dog. That's right. I, I, Jane just appeared. Someone else was walking Jane. I didn't know what was going on. But Jane appeared and sort of skulked around. At one point, Jane disappeared, and Steve had to go find her, and he did. Everything was fine. Anyway, all this to say, Stefan, Steve, sort of Jane, and I discussed the short but already tumultuous history of Pup, which science, science believes, shouldn't even be a band anymore. Listen to this. Myself, Stefan, and Steve of Pup. If this tour doesn't kill you, then I will. I hate your guts and it makes me ill Seeing your face every morning 
more month and 22 days If this tour doesn't kill you, I may I'm counting down the miles till we leave the state I'm counting down the minutes till I can't erase Every memory of you For a second, let's be honest Roncesvalles yeah. Avenue. You ever call it Ronce? Yeah. Yeah. I do. <laughs> Sometimes. The younger people told me to call it Ronce, and I was like, Ronce? All right. That's a little familiar. Yeah. It's, uh, I, it's funny, though, because I kind of grew up uh, just like a little bit west of here. So my first like memory of this place is like going with my grandmother, and she would just like yell in Polish at all the like Polish delicatessens. Uh, <laughs> you just yell at the buildings? Well, no, 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 at the, <laughs> at the people, like, in, in whilst uh, buying, you know, like, uh, cured meats and stuff. But I just, like, I just remember not really knowing what was going on in these delis and everyone being very animated. Uh, and they are still very animated in those delis, but uh, the food is still really good. So is it mostly, like, uh, is that, I guess it's not really Eastern European. What is that? Is it still that kind of area? Uh, it is and it isn't. I think a lot of, like... Uh, the, the like delis and and some of the businesses are still owned by, like ethnically Polish people, and there's still like a travel agency down the way that's like cheap flights to Poland. Uh, but the neighborhood itself is kind of changing because a lot of the streets have like houses with like young couples and it's become gentrified. It has been. And uh, Steph, are you you live near here? Yeah, I live like two blocks away. Um, I like it. I mean, it's really close to High Park, which is like the biggest green space in the city. Yeah. Uh, is so that, that's, that's real important nice to you? for me. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I like, I kind of feel like cities are slowly poisoning me. <laughs> so it's kind of nice to like be able to just like walk into that park, which is like full of trails where you don't have to see people and just can pretend you're in real nature for a little bit. When you say poisoning, do you mean chemically? Do you mean socially, spiritually? I, all of it. I just like, I feel like when I spend a lot of time in a, in a big city, I just feel like I am a different and worse person. Where are you from? I grew up like in North York, but I've always kind of been um, more of a wilderness kind of guy. Camping? Yeah, I do a lot of camping and I try to get out of this place as much as I can. Nothing against Toronto. I love, uh, as far as cities go, I really love Toronto. Yeah. Uh, But I just don't really foresee my future being in any urban center. Oh, you want to get out? Yeah. How badly? Yeah, like pretty badly. Like now you want to get out? Yeah. Okay. But, I mean, you know, right now there's priorities, you know, I don't know if our band could function without all of us in Toronto uh, for now, one day, hopefully. But uh, You might find out because, as, as I understand it, Steve has to move. I am, yes, yeah. Although we're hoping to, I did just get evicted, uh, but we're hoping to find somewhere in the city. I'm the opposite of Stefan, so I'm a, I'm a city kid uh, and like to be in cities. 
Well, you lived in a town, uh, my town, Guelph, for some time. What was that like for you? It was uh, awesome. I, you know, I mean, there was, as a musician, there were a lot of really great places to get work. And, and people were super supportive and, you know, a big part. I mean, that was when I first, I was still living in Guelph when I first met Stefan and when the the genesis of what became Pup kind of first came together. Steph, were you in Guelph? No, uh, I think maybe Steve and I met at Hillside. Yeah. Oh, were you at, why were yeah. you, why were you? I, I was there uh, not playing in, but with uh, Jason Collette and Zeus as a crew. Oh, you worked at with dude. Arts and Crafts. That's right. Yeah, and yeah. I toured with them um, for a few months. Um, and that's, yeah, I met Steve at Hillside. You just met him? Oh. Well, well we, we I had think that was the first time friends. we hung out. Yeah, the first time we really hung out. We had yeah. sort of like emailed back and forth. Uh, yeah, I think we just like sat around and ate hash brownies. Yeah. Hash brownies at Hillside? That doesn't seem right. <laughs> <laughs> no, none, nothing like that goes on there. Never There's mind. Certainly the no, festival. Yeah. Certainly no hula hooping happening. <laughs> or hand drumming. Uh, <laughs> so what were the emails about? Like you just were like, hey, that was a good hang. Uh, I saw stuff I never thought I'd see. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I think Zach, uh, our drummer, had connected us because Zach and I had been friends for a long time. And he had maybe sent me an email of a demo that Stefan had made. When he was still going to Ryerson. Uh, and I was like, oh, that sounds cool. And I had been sort of mulling over moving back to the city uh, from Guelph because I was done doing my degree and wasn't working. Or I guess I was working for the jazz festival still for a little bit, but uh, was thinking about making a change. And this kind of came together. And now it's six years later. Yeah, that's, so when you get asked these questions, uh, you have to watch time flash before your eyes. Yes. That must be strange. Yeah, it is. It's it's crazy. Like, uh, to in in a way, it feels kind of slow because like six years is like not a short amount of time, but at the same time, when I sort of think back uh, in like a macro way, it's just sort of like it all just sort of whips by. Like we, yeah. I don't know, we've been on the road so much. Well, I remember like starting to tour in bands when I was like fifteen or sixteen years old and being like always the youngest person on tour the youngest person in a venue like yeah, yeah that kind of thing and now you know we're 28 years old and sometimes we go on tour and we'll, you know we'll be two of the oldest dudes in the whole package you know and it, that's that feels weird i mean not not weird it's just um it's because it doesn't feel like that long ago where i felt like the baby of any yeah. touring band you know sure. But the but the music you play, I, uh, I'm making a presumption here. But the music you play, the lifestyles you lead, I mean, on some level, they're very adult lifestyles, I should say. But I assume that stuff keeps you a bit young. Yeah, I think. I mean, I definitely uh, can't keep up with myself even four years ago, necessarily. But I don't think that's a problem. Like in a lot of ways, uh, we've all learned how to kind of how to make lousy truck <laughs> we've all we should say we're on your porch yes. on Ronsi it's, it's an excruci- there's a heat wave in Toronto they've called for uh, several days of like 30 plus Celsius uh, yeah like it's just and people are like encouraged to stay outside me and my wisdom was like let's sit on the porch with the dog <laughs> Jane yeah. and just check because there's a nice breeze we're in the shade and 
uh, one of the reasons I didn't want to do this initially is that I would get distracted and derail any comments that my guests were making. <laughs> and luckily, that hasn't happened. Uh, Steve, what were you saying? Uh, <laughs> uh, mm, uh, it, 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 in the response to keeping it young, uh, I think it, it does, like, you, you know, seeing in new places and meeting new people. There's always that excitement. And, and being excited is the... Is the, is for the youth, right? That's the thing. <laughs> That's true. Once you're not young anymore, there's no more excitement. Nothing to be excited about. Uh, <laughs> no, but like you know, uh, one of the big things about kind of getting a little bit older and touring, but still having that touring lifestyle, is that we've sort of learned how to take better care of ourselves, and I think how to make it more sustainable. At least for me, has been having less separation between, say, being at home and being on the road and and what i mean by that is sort of like sometimes you got to treat tuesday like tuesday let me ask you this uh, following up on this thread uh because you're you've been touring a lot like you're famous for playing you played like 250 shows or something in the year 2014 and you, you continue to tour as hard as you can let me ask about your snack inventory in the van because uh all you talk about as far as i know on your facebook feed steven in particular is like Drugs, hash brownies, <laughs> drinking. Like it's just no, it's not all that. Not. A little bit of baseball. But uh, my point is, let's just. I want to hear what you would pack for snacks, uh, or or beverages if you knew you had a eight-hour drive ahead of you. Let's uh, start with Steph. The only beverages I drink are coffee and water, and and beer at night. But during the day, coffee and water. Yeah. No juices. No. Which is, there's a lot of sugar in those. Yeah, well, I don't, I just don't mess with anything. I drink like five liters of water a day. Oh, wow. I'm, and I also, this is a podcast, so you can't see me, but I am the smallest member of PUP by far. Physically. Physically. Yeah. Uh, and I have a very small bladder, so I'm a really annoying to Oh, no, you've got to. We literally budget extra time for Stefan to pee. Yeah. No. Piss- Every half hour, forty-five minutes. No piss bottles in the van. Nah, we thought about it for briefly, but we're kind of that, we kind of pride ourselves on not being like the utmost disgusting yeah. punk band in the world. Sure. We're just kind of halfway there. Sure. Oh, thanks, Brooke. Thanks for the coffee. Here's Look at that. He's got. I got coffee. Whoa. Yeah. Thank you. Lovely. Um. Yeah. And your evicted girlfriend's lovely. I don't deserve her. <laughs> Clearly, your landlord doesn't think so. Uh, so sorry. <laughs> How must I drive a wedge between these two? I don't know why he had that accent in my impression. <laughs> that was weird. Uh, sorry. Water and yeah. bathrooms. That's important. Yeah. Uh, and I'm a, I'm a banana snack guy. Sometimes chips, mostly bananas. Well, how many bananas do you have on a one trip? I'm a one banana a day guy myself. Yeah, one or two bananas one a day. Two. You were you were big on the spicy nuts on the last tour. Mm, spicy nuts. Spicy peanuts. Yeah. Spicy peanuts. Okay, and okay, that's good. You got a bit of protein there, <laughs> a little spice. You got the the perfect food in a banana because it's got all the nutrients you really want. It's got energy. That's great. That's good. And water, coffee, not so great. But uh, what are we going to do? Essential though. Essential. Okay, S- Steve. Uh, yeah, coffee, water. I will drink uh, the occasional unsweetened iced tea. Um, basically, any any drink I'll be purchasing from like a gas station will be caffeinated. Uh, my as far as like uh, snack vices, uh, I do like the occasional bag of potato chips. 
They don't have to be vices. I'm just curious, like, and I also, what I fail to ask is to compare that to when you first started touring. Mm. Uh, That's kind of yeah, where right, I wanted right, to go right, with right, it, too, right. because I think you you gorge yourself when you first get on the road yeah, out of yeah. boredom, almost, yeah. as much as anything, and freedom. But then, at some point, it hits you, right? So, so let's... Really right, right yeah, yeah. We, right in the stomach. We used to shotgun <laughs> McDoubles. We call shotgunning McDoubles. Yeah, When McDonald's. we started touring, when we just stop at McDonald's a couple times a day and each pound of McDouble and keep going. What's a McDouble? Uh, uh, it's like the two patty... Double hamburger. Single Big cheese. Mac? No, no. no, it's like a double cheeseburger with only one slice of cheese. Oh, I see, okay. So, yeah, we don't do that very much anymore. No. Uh, actually, my one vice is still, anytime that we're driving across the south... I have to have at least one ice cream a day. One ice cream a day? Why yeah. Why across the south? Just because it's hot. Oh. <laughs> okay. I don't think the south is necessarily known for its ice cream. No. No, well, I'm talking about like drumstick or McDonald's oh, ice cream. Oh, just like a just junky like ice cream. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. You go to the Waffle House when you're in the south? We have. It's been boycotted. Yeah, it's it, we. There, everyone has like one restaurant where they're like, yeah, never again. And Zach is not a particularly big fan of Waffle House. Yeah, we gotta be careful. I don't want to get sued by the Waffle House people. <laughs> no, it's. I mean, hey, I'm uh, sure they're great. Yeah, Zach doesn't. Like I, them. I enjoy. I like them covered, smothered. And I don't remember what the other one is. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. I don't know what you're doing there. The hash browns. The oh yeah, the, that's right. They have a thing. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Okay, so the Steph. Uh, did we get a comparison? Yeah, the McDoubles. What about you? What did you used to do compared to what you do now? I would not even think about myself. I just eat whatever uh, and drink too much. And now one of those things we do is we get those uh, those green juices. You know that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll do those. The, are good. Yeah, and we didn't know about like how magical the green juice was until a little bit later on. Um, are, there, are those primarily American? Can you get those here? I think you can get them here. I think they're a little bit cheaper in the states. Yeah. Isn't everything right now? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's more m more just about, like, now we kind of see that time in the van as, like, recovery time from whatever happens at night, whether it's, you know, drinking too much or, like, if we have, like, a rich meal at night, uh, the van is the time to kind of purge and... and and cleanse. <laughs> yeah, well, these are all markers of maturity and experience, which some people, if they're self-conscious, will will view as uh, aging, or you know, getting more straight-laced. Which that can be a weird complex we have, where we're fixated on youth and youth being recklessness and emotional uh, maturity, and adulthood is more tempered. I'm an adult. I don't find that. I have children. Yeah. I'm screaming more now than I have <laughs> since I was like in a punk band. I'm just like, why are you doing that? Put that down. Like I, so I'm just saying you're going through a weird cycle where you're like, let's take stock of ourselves. And I wonder if that makes you feel more mature, older than you really are. Yeah. I mean, I, there was also a, you know, I, I think we all really care about the band and, and the project and, and kind of um, performing well and, and playing good shows, you know? And, and I think, part of that is knowing that you have to take care of yourself in the kind of interim between shows when you're on the road in order to kind of actually do something well at night and to actually play well. I mean, in all fairness, when we go out for like a week at a time, it's just a <laughs> disgusting gong show. Yeah, it's mayhem. But, you know, when, you're, when you go out, like, we're... Oh, pacing yourself. We're, yeah, well, I mean, we're going to... At the end of August, we're leaving on a four-month tour. And it's like, you just can't... You can't be bad to yourself for four months. You can be bad to yourself for a week, 
and then sleep it off and you'll be fine. But it's not sustainable to do that when this is your full-time job. Yeah. I, I always say like our life, like collectively on the road is a perpetual Thursday. So like, <laughs> wait, what does that mean exactly? So, Cause Thursday night you can either go out and treat it like Friday, yeah. you know, doesn't matter. Or you can just like stay home and watch Netflix. Must see TV yeah. or NBC if they Ex- used to have that. Exactly. Right. Um, and so like, you know, and that is sort of it. It's like, sometimes you go to a, a town and you have a lot of friends there. Like one of the first nights on our last tour was in Minneapolis and we have a lot of friends there and we stayed out late and we had a good time. And the next day we were all a little sore, but you kind of have to pick and choose when that's appropriate and when you uh, want to have that fun and when what another night is musty TV. Well, there's this specter of health consciousness that accompanies this latest album of yours, obviously, uh, for those who don't know. And maybe I'll let Steph tell the story. Um, but the album is called The Dream Is Over, which was a phrase uttered to you by a physician, right? A licensed medical practitioner said to you about your work, The Dream Is Over, right? Yeah, it's a pretty abrasive thing to hear from somebody who's supposed to take care of you but what was the, <laughs> the yeah. who is did you switch doctors by the way i did yeah i have i have a new uh, doctor and he's 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 much better that was in baltimore it wasn't actually your doctor like, uh, it was a no, specialist, it was a specialist. Fucking clinical it was a specialist yeah johns hopkins so what, explain to uh people who may not this is a bl- scary thing and i want you to tell it because i don't want to yeah it well i think a lot of um singers experience something maybe not as extreme but similar to this and we toured like pretty much full time for for two years and we made we made two albums and you know we didn't have a lot of time off and uh i'm not a a technical musician or singer and i kind of destroyed my voice and uh we finished recording the album and three days later we left on a six-week tour and I was just feeling pretty raw and burnt out. And I went to see the specialist on our first day of tour because I couldn't really sing. I was having a lot of voice problems. And uh, they have this little scope that they stick down your nose yep. to view your vocal cords. It's really gross, yeah. So they did that. And, and they they took a look at my cords. And when she pulled it out, she just said, the dream is over, which is a insane thing to hear. Uh but essentially, yeah, I, I had developed like a cyst on my vocal cord and uh, she essentially told me to go home and give it up and we didn't. We went back on tour for six weeks and over the course of that tour, uh, the it the cyst hemorrhaged, so my vocal cord started bleeding into itself hmm. and then eventually just my voice stopped. Like I couldn't make any sounds So the sensation of the bleeding, did it happen on stage? Probably. It was all, it was an, it was a gradually, uh, it was a thing that got worse continually. Can you describe it kind of viscerally? Like what did it, you're, you're, I don't know this, this is, and I don't know if it's too uh, hard to talk about or if it was too no. harsh, but like the, the idea of your assist hemorrhaging, <laughs> uh, what does that feel like? Uh, actually it does, it's not painful. It doesn't, hmm. it's on your vocal cord. It doesn't feel weird. Like I can feel differences in my voice now because of it but it doesn't it's not a painful sensation it's just like gradually weird things start happening to your voice like you know how if you go to a sports game and yell all day 
or get really drunk, you wake up the next day and you're like, oh, my voice sounds different. It's like that, but you said much that like stranger. everyone does that. Wait, you know, you know I'm, how you? Yeah, I'm gonna do that tonight. You're going to the Jays game? Yeah, I have Jays tickets tonight. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> just like you know how you go to a sports game and just scream at the team. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I do. Actually. Scream <laughs> until your vocal cords start bleeding. Right. Know? Yeah. Yeah. So no, it's just it, it's just a thing that, uh, you know, maybe my, well, I'm sure it has something to do with my technique, but also it has to do with the way that we toured, like. I mean, there were times where we were doing 35 shows without an off day and I was screaming every night or there were, there were tours where we did two shows a day. Uh, yeah. And like stuff like that. We just didn't say no to anything uh, because there was nothing stopping us from doing it. Did you like, did you, have you consulted a voice coach or anything subsequent mm-hmm. to this? Like, yeah. Like singing from your diaphragm and all that stuff? Yeah, I have. A, well, I mean, I you, I, I had taken some vocal lessons before this happened, and I just hated them. It doesn't didn't help me. I thought it made me a worse singer. Um, but I have a guy now who I like a lot. He's who's been helping me out, and I have a new doctor and a a speech language pathologist who. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, it's a whole it's a whole thing that like that was a pretty serious like I I mean after my the cyst hemorrhage I couldn't. I literally couldn't make a sound out of my throat for a couple of weeks. Like I just, I was incapable of it. And then it was like two or three months before I was able to like actually sing. And so it's just something that, uh, it's a lot to come back from in such a short amount of time. So, so you, you hated the voice, uh, coach lesson. You hated the voice lessons basically. And then you got a new teacher or a new coach. Well, I took lessons for a while and I hated it. And I just, thought it was like kind of sucking the what was kind of special about how I sing out of me so I stopped doing it and then um, you know whatever a, a year later this all happened mm. and so now I have a like since that happened I have a guy who's kind of retraining me but he's way better he he doesn't he's not trying to change uh, what I sound like he's trying to keep what I sound like and just change how much damage I do to myself right right technique which is, yeah which is which is refreshing because uh, most vocal coaches, when they hear what we do, they just say, well, maybe you can scream less. and Yeah, yeah. It's like, wow. Take the spirit out of what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Is it Mika, your coach? Mitch Seekins. Mitch Seekins. Yeah. Just give a little pledge, pl- plug to Mitch. <laughs> I'm just reading a yeah, book. Great. I'm reading a book right now about a guy who struggles with the fact that he, he's tone deaf, uh, but then discovers he actually has a... a like a, there's a test that's done and it's something in your brain really? that disables you from being able to, yeah, detect tone and hear notes and hear rhythm properly. And so he loves music, loves it, goes to shows constantly, but, and will sing along. And people have commented <laughs> to, to him about his singing and he's like, what? And then he would record himself and he'd be like, oh, I had no idea. And it, it's actually a thing. Wow. wow, it's like a you're a, a you're a, a music a musia or something like that. Huh. Anyway, I'm just reading about it now, so I'm not saying you're a bad singer. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, but the book, I'm just I've, I've become quite fascinated with the uh, art of singing. Uh, uh, I sing now every day again because I'm a dad, so I'm uh, getting better at it. I think like I can feel myself being more confident with it. So when you have this thing where you're like, I'm not a trained dude. Like Steve, you're a trained musician, are you? Uh, yeah, instrumentally. But uh, but as a vocalist, I'm would say I'm in the same boat as Stefan. If if and less trained than Stefan now. Well, there's all well yeah, and there's <laughs> a, there's also like 
this thing about I guess would you categorize your yourself as a uh, yourselves as a punk band? I don't know. Would we? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I mean it's it's like I always think about like what we tell the border and what we tell like immigration people and we just usually just say we're a rock band. I think like I think punk is sort of the the world that we all grew up in and that we all um come from but I, I mean in terms of like the influences we draw in and like if you were to go in there and look at my records the majority of them would be like hip-hop and avant-garde jazz and uh, like you know folk music which and informs a lot of the punk i like yeah it, yeah it's true i mean i guess like for me i don't know i mean stefan will be able to answer for himself as well uh but for me punk as an aesthetic is kind of uh like carte blanche to, to sort of be able to do yeah, it's whatever a, you want. It's like a sensibility. It's aesthetic. I only actually raised it not to get into a generic signifier yeah, yeah, yeah. conversation, but as uh, a point of, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm still doing it, which is one thing you really learn from punk is like, you don't, there is this mythology around some of the first wave of punk that the people didn't know what they were doing, which we've, right. which as soon as you try to play a Ramon song or whoever, you're like, oh, no, they clearly knew what they were doing. Like, or the replacements were just this debauch. Like, they didn't know what they were. But no, like, the parts are crazy. Yeah. So anyway, I think there's the there's a, been an over-romanticization of people not knowing what they're doing but expressing themselves. You say, I'm not a trained musician or singer. Yeah. Then you are confronted by this situation. Does this mess with your psychology about your approach to what you're doing? And, like... You're obviously you're seeking external help. Like that's that's an interesting yeah. crossroads. I mean, I don't, I don't mm-hmm. think so. I think like because of the people that I'm working with right now, it's just um, it's less a training. Like they're not training me to be a a better singer. They're all training me to just uh, be able to sing longer and harder and the, and kind of, have a stronger voice. It's not like it's not like I'm changing my like register or like learning to do i don't know like scales and it's that's not it's kind of like they're they're training you to use your body right yeah yeah i mean that both of the guys that i work with always uh you know bring it back to something which is kind of corny but like vocal athlete you're a vocal athlete you have to get out there every night just like you know a professional sports player who has a twisted knee or whatever and and they have to go out and play football on monday night sunday night or whenever you play football yeah and uh and and you might have some messed up vocal cords but you still have to go out every night and do your thing to the best of your ability so how do we find a way to make sure that you're as consistent as possible and not hurting yourself well but describe the impulse of being told this this awful news being told the news in in a really questionable and frankly infuriating manner describe the impulse of hearing that prognosis and diagnosis and then saying i'm just gonna gonna keep doing this because that's a you know i think sometimes our a specialist or a doctor explains to you what the limitations of your body are and you can either accept that or you can be like well i don't agree like i know my body best so i'm gonna keep going yeah that's kind of what you did yeah I mean, I think I think uh, anybody who's played in an abandon, certainly you w- would understand this, is that it's 
it's not easy. You don't just play in a band and maybe your band's good and good things happen and you go on tour and you make a living out of it. It's like so much work. Like, you know, I was saying earlier, you know, I've been touring in bands since I was 15, 16 years old. And I'm 28. I've been touring for 12 years and working, like working to do what we're doing now for yep. 12 years. Yeah. Um, not not in pup, but in different bands. No, and no. Um, to get to pup. Yeah, exactly. And to kind of finally get to a place where it's like, all right, well, maybe we're not making a ton of money, but I am living off this, and this is my this is my full time gig, right? It's pretty. I'm pretty proud of that. And then as soon as that happens, to kind of get told, no, no, it was just like it's not a thing that I think any of us were willing to accept. There have been so many hurdles from the time we were 15 years old to now that. So many times that we've been told to give up or things that stood in the way and we just didn't, we, we made it to where we are, which is a, still a small level, but we made it here because we refused to just accept that, that sense of defeat. Huh, so, that's interesting. So the dream is over when you hear that from this doctor. It's like an echo from every other time you've yeah, been told. But it's also a challenge. Like, it's a, it's a, cha it's a challenge. Yeah. It's like, you know, like... A lot of the songs, lyrically and musically, uh, are kind of born out of this, on this record anyway, are kind of born out of this idea that things are not always good, and if they're not good, you have two choices. It's to lay down and die, or it's to figure your shit out and yeah. make the best of the situation. Uh, and so a lot of the songs are born out of that sort of attitude that, like, like, you're, like a chat... A, a challenge is what motivates us to turn something like negative into something positive. And that's what we're trying to do with the music is like turn all these crappy things that happen to us or feelings that we all have and, and create something productive out of it. Well, you know, from your time on the road that, uh, you know, you did, you played in a bunch of bands, but this, uh, chemical reaction if you will between people is very rare like to have something that clicks Definitely. like I, I have a feeling that you know when you say that this isn't something you were going to give up it's because you recognized it was special is that fair to say yeah i mean it it's really it, it's been kind of interesting to us uh to basically have done this whole thing on our own terms like we don't have uh, like Royal Mountain Inside One Dummy from a label perspective aren't breathing down our necks being like hey where's the next record why doesn't it, why isn't there a single why doesn't it sound like that like we do have all of that sort of uh, like artistic independence um, and then the four of us are just so kind of tuned into each other and, and know what we all bring and, and how to kind of complement each other um that it's a lot easier to kind of pile in the van or, you know, when we have time off to spend three to five days a week. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. 
With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. In the rehearsal space, working on new music, and, and you know, it, it's a lot easier to invest the, the time that you need to invest in order to grow uh, any kind of creative project um, when you know that the three other people that you are going to spend the most time with have uh, sympathetic kind of ideas and, and, and voices, and that all kind of comes together, uh, all cylinders firing. I mean, one of the, uh, the things I read about this circumstance in an article was that you said, I'm going to go, I'm just going to do it, and now my understanding is that you're healed? Like, is it fine? No. It's an, o- the- it's an ongoing... It's forever going to be an ongoing thing for me. And, uh, I, I mean, I had an option to have uh, a surgery, which I said no to, because that would take us out of the touring game for a year, and we're kind of at that level where if we went quiet for a year, it, it probably wouldn't come back. Uh, as in the band wouldn't, wouldn't... People wouldn't care anymore. Um, so I've done everything else outside of that to make up for that fact. And, and part of that is just being smarter about the way we tour and stuff like that. But no, it's not fixed. I I don't, I think I'm singing as well and as aggressively as I was two or three years ago. And I feel good every night when I come off stage, but it's like, it's not definitely not something where I feel invincible. What was the first show like after visiting the specialist? It oh, the first show was the night of, of visiting the specialist, and it was like real. Yeah, it was messed up. It was like, <laughs> it was like, uh, no, you know, knowing that this is day one of a tour that's supposed to be like six, seven weeks, and there are a lot of people that are depending on this tiny muscle in my body to, to make a living and to keep the band moving forward. That's a lot of stress and pressure. Um, and it was really tough. It was, that was six weeks of like every night walking on stage being like, I don't know what's going to happen. What's going to come out of my mouth when I go to sing the song? I, who knows? But, you know, the guys are all supportive and um, we kind of did the best uh, that we could have in those situations. And I don't think it minus maybe a couple shows I don't think it ever sounded bad I forced myself through it but um, definitely it's it's much better now uh, now that I've kind of met the problem head on and well you tend to scream your banter even <laughs> like you tend to yell at the crowd between songs are you tempering anything am I tempering anything I don't know we're, uh, we're working on our two man uh, our two man comedy show <laughs> I mean you know uh, no I mean th- like there, is, there was a lot of stuff that we kind of realized, too, I guess, that we could do, whether it's, you know, um, Zach Nestor and I covering certain ground in choruses uh, or, or, you know, parts where I'm like, oh, I'm not really doing anything on the guitar that is too complicated. I'm just kind of playing chords. I can sing. I can double Stefan's part so he doesn't have to project as hard. Like... There's little stuff like that. We could, you know, we can tune down for certain songs. Like, 
that was one of the things was kind of sitting and just figuring out, okay, Stefan is doing all that he can do in order to, to make this work. What can we do uh, in order to, to make it even easier on a day-to-day basis? Uh, and I think we're, we're, it's still... Part of that is a mental thing, too. Yeah. It's like, Stefan's stressed out today. What can we do to make him less stressed out so that... Short of throwing him in the bush for, like, six weeks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, what can, you know, it's... Like, there are some days, you know, where I, I pretty much do most of the business stuff for the band. But there are some days where it's like somebody else will go settle for me because they know that I'm just like my voice is fried and I'm stressed out and probably the best thing for me is just to go s- sit in the van and drink water. So you've got a good support network yeah. for this situation. Well, that's great. I yeah, mean, on some level, I, I, your, uh, your approach to this and I think your perspective on it is really admirable because I think uh, I panic when I have any situation with my... Like, the idea of having your body, something taken away from you... Um, I find very frightening uh, yeah. or, or stressful. It induces stress for me. If like I get water in my ear and I can't get it out, <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, what if this is it? This is like, forever. Yeah, like I've had that. I've totally been like, you gotta help me. Like, I, And they're like, just relax. We gotta pump this like something, you know, like yeah. I, I'm a bit of a, I'm not a hypochondriac. Well, maybe some people would say I'm a hypochondriac, but I, it does freak me out. Right. My body is starting to freak me out a little bit. So I, I admire your, uh, you're going to laugh at me, but I admire your grace with this, frankly, because it's difficult, right? Well, thank you. I mean, I think a lot of people have dealt with way worse than this. Yeah. So I I still recognize that I'm very lucky. Like, I'm, the dream isn't over. I have bandmates who are a good support network, and it'll all be fine. <laughs> there are allusions, I think, to the circumstance on the record. I don't know if the timelines really match up. Did you do most of the writing after this happened? No. It was no. mostly done before. Yeah, because you yeah. were telling me the last time Steve was on the show, we, were, we just basically talked about baseball, as I recall. Mm. Uh, you had told me you'd had that DVP song going around then, right? Yeah, we had a... DVP was one that... Like, the way we work isn't... Uh, I don't know. I mean, it, it works for us, but we don't like, we're not the kind of band that writes, you know, 45 half songs and then it puts them together in the studio. We we're a lot more process based and we're a lot more like deconstructive. So it's kind of an ongoing process. Well, we're, you know, a song will be pop up whenever it pops up and we'll work on it whenever we have time. So DVP was one of those tunes that we kind of had very early on for the whole the whole sort of process of the second record and had been playing live a lot. Um, yeah, you played it at Hillside, I think. I think we the last played, time you played. I think we played DVP. The first time we ever played it was at the record release show for the first album. Oh, there you go. Yeah, so, so yeah. previewed new stuff at the... Yeah, that's yeah. that's how old it is. That's, what, two years? Two years, yeah. something like that. Yeah, and, and, you know, like, yeah, so when we made this record, we had 12 songs. Okay, so this, it predated this situation um but one of the things that i i don't know where you guys stand with this because i think uh your band is resonating with people people are obviously going to get whatever they want out of it do you find that people get the humor as much as they get this idea that you might be angry are are those two things mingling in a way that you are comfortable with (laughs) I, i mean i'm so well okay well i think most people are getting a lot of the humor which is which is nice. I've noticed that shows playing the new songs, kind of the funnier 
more sarcastic tongue-in-cheek lines are the ones that everyone has their hands up screaming, which is kind of cool. Um, yeah, I mean, unlike a lot, you've mixed, the vocals are mixed quite high. You've got that Canadian enunciation. <laughs> so, like, it's quite got, I got a lot of flack for that from our producer every day. He'd be like, that word just... No, that's not how you say that. <laughs> Who is your producer? His name is Dave Schiffman. He's he's a Californian guy. He's awesome. Yeah, he's, he's wonderful. Been, he's been at it for a long, long time. We were just really lucky to... I think at this point, he only kind of works on things that he mostly enjoys. Um, what else has he done? Uh, he did the Strumbella's most recent record. Uh, he worked on the Last Vampire Weekend record. Uh, like Weezer, Rage Against yeah, the Machine. Adele. Thrice. Yeah, okay. it, we're like there's Adele, no reason Adele thrice. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there's like there's not really. He used to work with Rick Rubin, uh-huh. uh, but there's like, I remember when we were making the first record, we were like, uh, uh, we kind of made a list of like everyone that we would like to work with, like just like a dream team, total pipe dream. Yeah. Um, and Dave was top of the list because all of us liked records that he had made. Was there a key record? Bronx. Uh, yeah, the, Bronx. The, the Priestess record. The Priestess. second Priestess record. Uh, uh, prior, well, not prior to the fire. I, yeah, prior to the fire. I'm not I'm not going to stand behind that one. I don't know. I don't think I've ever heard it. Oh, I okay. like Is there, was there something that you liked that he Well, liked? I think we all... Bronx 3? We're into Bronx 3. Right. So that I think that was like the most played record in the van. And we were like, who produced this? And it was Dave Schiffman. So he was the first... He was the first person on a list of, you know, 10 people that we reached out to. And we were like, this is never going to work. Right. But we might as well. And we sent him a bunch of demos and he got back to us right away. He was like, I really like this. Like, I think we can make a cool record. Right. And it was like, it kind of, it's surreal because like, you know, I, I think he took it on as a passion project. And that's kind of like a pretty rewarding feeling because we can't pay Dave Schiffman, Dave Schiffman wages sure we don't have that hollywood budget (laughs) (laughs) so uh, yeah it was nice and we were we were we felt we were just blown away that anybody would listen to these like crappy demos we made in our basement and and somebody as uh you know as seasoned as him and be like yeah this is going to be a cool record if they do it right now do you have any recollection of any of the specific words that he questioned in terms of how you pronounce them Uh, there's a lot of about a lot of about yeah. How did so they think we say a boot, which yeah. we don't. No, it's about. It's about. Yeah, and we they say that or no, they no. Say they they say about and we say about. Oh, and they've turned it's it very, into a boot. It's very minor. Yeah. It's also, South Park I, though. It's all from South Park. Also, I tend to over enunciate, like especially things with T's in them. Like I'll say mittens or bitten. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, sure. And he's just like, no, that's. But but it's mixed so high that I think that the one thing I'll say. For a band that makes such loud music, uh, sometimes those vocals and those lyrics will get buried. But it's it's interesting to me that the crowd is right there. Like, they know the lines. Uh, there's a bunch of really funny... Obviously, you made a very funny video recently uh, for... Was it the, it's the third single? What single uh, was it? If This Tour Doesn't Kill You, I think it was the second single? Right? DVP, then... Sure. Tour? I don't. I don't Third know. video? I thought there were three videos. I think it's the second video from this record. Okay. So anyway, yeah. you've done. That's a funny idea, and a, you've obviously. It's almost. A, I used to have a theory that certain songs were written for the video. <laughs> like someone's like, it would be a good video. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. I'm gonna write a song for that. Yeah. Like so, because it's such a visually funny uh, video. But, uh, but yeah, like we're in a 
time where humor and anger are, are particularly uh, mingling quite well. It's there's a lot of like outspokenness. Um, you're writing from a very personal place. Uh, is it mostly stemming from anger, or is it because you're? Is it mostly stemming from silliness and being sardonic? I think it's it, it's mostly angry, honestly, but. But uh, a lot of it is kind of like my, uh, a lot of the lyrics are sort of my take on how stupid and ridiculous like the world that we live in is without getting political because it's a very non-political record. It's a very personal record. But uh, a lot of things really irk me, including a lot of things about myself. There's like a lot of self-deprecating. Well, it's, it's an introspective record. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. Like, you're reacting to people who are saying... Uh, my sense of, of you, in terms of your narrative voice as a songwriter, is you're reacting to... A lot of it is reacting to other people and the way they interact with you. Whether they're saying things or doing things, when they impact you, you want to tell them about it right. <laughs> and not keep it inside. Uh, and I'm, does that happen in real life? Are you the Larry David of this band? Are you telling people exactly how you feel all the time? Uh... Steve, Probably. Steve yes. could answer yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, also, too, like, we we very much want uh, uh, there to be sort of like an irreverent kind of... We, we, we strive for that. I mean, it's... Saying that out loud, I sound like a jackass. But, like, but th there is, like, we don't... You know, there should always be kind of a wink. And, and Stefan is the first to say that, too, even with his lyrics. Like, there's always, like, a, ah, come on, kind of moment where... You know, but there's some really funny, like, observational comedy esque lyrics that I like. Like, I just enjoy. The, I, I was telling you about one before we started rolling, which was. Uh, I keep struggling to make sure I have this right, but it's something like "Don't quit your day job." Well, I never had. What is it? Yeah, don't quit your day job. Guess what? I never had one. Never had one. That's a great line. Well, I think it's like you're arguing <laughs> with these imaginary people and winning. Well, I mean, like, you know. I can be a pretty pissed off person and I'm and I was saying to you like I'm not a subtle person at all I pretty much I'm quite direct and I don't leave much to the imagination uh, in lyrics or in conversation but also a lot of it is like realizing like yeah like I might be pissed off about these things but I don't want to take myself that seriously because Honestly, like I'm angry a lot of the time, but my life is still pretty great and I'm a pretty lucky person. And, and so it's important not to take yourself too seriously, especially because we're in this band to have fun, not to change the world. So um, can't you change the world one person at a time? <laughs> Aren't you the change we seek, guys? <laughs> I think we can do as much as we can. <laughs> in the situation that we have but you know like we're not uh we're not i guess what seven is saying is we're not propaganda i i want to change myself before i change the rest of the that's world how, that's how change happens though but are you like sorry i never really thought of this are you pointedly apolitical you seem like you like you want to stress this uh, well no i mean but lyrically i i mean i think it's important to say that like i'm not a very politically minded person and like a lot of Punks will call me out for that, and it's too bad because I'm not one of you guys. Yeah, I mean the punks. But I think if you were to, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just trying to write about the stuff that I know about, and I, 
all I know is about myself and I uh, writing this record has helped me become more self-aware I think and um, polit politics are not something that has really played into a lot of these lyrics like, yeah. it's not like I think if you were to, to speak to us in a setting like this you might get a better sense of our politics but I think the thing that we're that we're more concerned with is like creating kind of spaces especially for our live show where kind of every person from every walk of life can kind of in, come and have a good time is that born of some experience of feeling alienated at punk or more politically charged rock shows uh, no because I like some music that's like very very political I mean again I'm, Kendrick Mar's last record is one of my favorite like Political music, I don't find alienating because I think it's good to be challenged by music. But I think there's a case to be made for music that has like a unifying kind of element to it. And I think that's something that we have found is is we see that more at our shows. There are people who are, you know, who identify as queer or, or you know, men, women. We kind of want everyone to sort of be able to embrace who they are but also have a good time and, and feel like they can come out to a show and, and have a good time which I don't think like I guess could be seen as a political statement but but really it's just like those are the kind of shows that we've always loved and that's they are called political parties guys yeah, yeah right they're supposed to be fun yeah <laughs> But I think, like, but yeah, I mean, that's, I, I think that's something that's more reflected in, in the sort of day-to-day -day operation of the band, but not necessarily in the music. It's not politics to me. That's human decency. Like, but that's what politics should ideally be. Well, I'm serious. Like, I, I think that, yeah, I, I understand where you're coming from and, and why you'd want to be, you know, separate those aspects from your art. Uh, because I think so many artists are maybe a little too willing to infuse their personal stance in the world uh, into their work. I mostly tend to uh, admire those who do, uh, generally. I mean, if I certainly if I agree with their worldview or I can see how their point of view might be logical or might impact me and my community. Uh, but I also think that we are in a hyper-charged time where everything has a political spin, whatever you do, and whether you want to or not. Uh, and, you know, you guys are four white dudes. Yeah. yeah. That's a tough time. Like, you it's guys a, are not... It's a tough time. It's finally <laughs> your time to have it tough, and that's, uh, <laughs> you know, that can't be easy on That's someone. a ridiculous thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I mean, but I think that that is all the more reason why we can kind of put a premium on shows being a space where everyone can kind of come because like the last thing you want is uh, four guys who look like us like pontificating yeah, uh, man's white mansplaining yeah like there's no and we're not really those kinds of people in, in our day-to-day -day lives and and i just think that like well, if that's the way that we can kind of advance things and have the shows like crowd surf but don't be a dick you know what i mean like and and make it a safe space for people i think that's kind of the, the most political we've gotten okay that's fair that's fair now you guys made the record uh this is the point in the show where i normally say what's next for you i i do want to say before i get to that cutting myself off hillside circling back to hillside as a meeting place 
for you two in a way. I mean, mm-hmm. it sounds like it was significant. Yeah. You got to play. Have you played just the one time now? Just, yeah. just the one time. They called the cops. They called the cops and other <laughs> bands in your wake. They basically implemented pup security for like PQ, PQ, PQ. And like other people were like, what are you guys talking about? Like, it's going to be fine. But there was just this like, no, when pup were here, it was nuts. Yeah. Um, so good job, guys. You changed the hippie festival into being <laughs> a bit more tight, uh, tight ass. No, I uh, know. Uh, Hillside uh, is a nice experience. Oh, Did yeah. you go to it when you uh, lived? I had, I had been once prior, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. And, and Steph, you have tour managed there more than once? Uh, my, no, my first time there was when I met Steve. Okay. And then we went back, I guess, two years ago. To play. Two years ago to play, yeah. So you've played other festivals. Uh, you've played all around the world. This hillside. Don't just say this to uh, because I'm of the context that you know, we're playing, you're playing this festival. I'm serious because I actually want to know. We live in an age where there's a festival every day yeah. in the yeah. summer around the world. There's a good chance there's a festival happening. Uh, this festival thing is crazy. Yeah. I think there's festival fatigue. I think other festivals are starting to be like, people aren't coming the way you used to because yeah. there's so many of them. Does Hillside stick out for you? Does it seem like a different vibe than some of the other places you played? Yeah. For me, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think that there's like a handful of small smaller Canadian festivals who do things in a interesting uh, location and who are eco-friendly which is you know somewhat important to me and uh, <laughs> somewhat somewhat important to me and also like into that apolitical thing I think. <laughs> and uh, also like in a selfish way um, you know we've been booked on a lot of these kind of um, mellower festivals for lack of a better term i would say mellower just like you know hillside sappy fest in sackville uh and a few other ones and in a selfish way i really like playing those because we get to be like the one band who's like way too loud and pissed off to be at those festivals and it kind of makes for an interesting experience Dynamic, yeah, yeah yeah it's not like a warp tour or something <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the i think the interesting thing about a um like you're kind of talking about like peak festival. Oh, yeah. um, and, and I definitely uh, agree having said that if there are any festival promoters who are listening, we'll happily uh, take your money. But uh, <laughs> no, uh, in all seriousness, like Hillside is a sustainable model. It has been basically what it is f- for 20 plus years. If I 30 recall. plus years, yeah, if I recall correctly or incorrectly, I guess. Um, but but you know that that's a festival that knows what it is, knows how it works every year, and is able to kind of um, take greater risks in terms of programming and and like uh, the actual festival experience because there's sort of a base that is always covered. And and I think I think there's a, a case to be made for not growing a festival too quickly. But a, a lot of these new festivals want to be huge and and can sometimes maybe suffer from uh, like a, a similarity of programming or, or, or it's kind of like blanket programming that in a way that Hillside, you know, I mean, Nels Klein played Hillside last year. That was amazing. Yeah. And like, and it, those are the sorts of those, those kind of like um, niche artists or kind of like, uh, you know, in a, in a band like our case, uh, uh, 
you can get something a little bit louder and noisier that sort of like upsets the balance, but uh, the audience comes to expect that. And, and, and those sorts of risks are what make buying a weekend pass, you know, a, a desirable thing. Yeah, the surprises. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. I just wanted to plug the festival because yeah. I like it. And I figured because you had a almost romantic uh, connection to <laughs> it. It is. <laughs> it is sort of in the history of the band, clearly. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, as I was saying, can you tell us a little bit about what's next? Because, again, the last time Steve was on, he mentioned that uh, you were going to, the last time was ahead of the last Hillside yeah. Festival, and you mentioned that you were going to play this new song, DVP, uh, preview something. You made this record, it's out. What's happening with you guys writing wise? What's going on? We're going to go tour for four months straight. Yeah. So that'll be something. Where are you going? We're going to the UK and Europe and Australia in starting at the end of August. And North America. Afghanistan. And then North America when we come back, yeah. Yeah, it's a lot. Right now it's like kind of nice to not think about writing. Yeah. You and we'll get back at it as soon as this tour is finished, but for now, just one thing at a time. Let's get through four months in the van. And yeah, there, and there's always like stuff, you know, like when I'm home, I'm, you know, Stefan, I'm sure is always strumming on a guitar and I'm always kind of working on stuff and there's always riffs and we're always kind of working on things. So yeah. having that time to kind of uh, be on our own and be quote unquote lazy about writing, which is really just being at home on your own and brewing a pot of coffee and, you know, playing the guitar. Um, yeah, having a bit of that time too. Well, can I pitch a, a, a double concept for the next album? <laughs> yes. Okay, so you know, we are all about concept. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, side, side A, eco-friendliness. Side B, Brexit. Just do a whole thing. Side Brexit. No, I, I think that would be the UK-specific yeah. acoustic EP. That would be, uh, it's all about Brexit. I Brexit. hate it. Breakfast? Breakfast. Breakfast. Brexit. You said it right. Yeah, I know you're hungry. Just relax. Uh, guys, this was fun. Thank you for being on the show. Before we go, is there a song from uh, the new record that we can go out on? Do you, do you mind collectively putting your heads together and choosing a song? that you think maybe something that um, reflects our time on this porch with the dog Jane uh, or something else, whatever you feel like. Don't don't be all corporate savvy about the next single corporate either. Corporate savvy. Just do whatever you want, anything you want. Why uh, don't why don't we, what about familiar that's what Yeah, that's what I was going to say because you, you did, like the line. You did quote it. Sorry, which song is it? Familiar it's called Familiar Patterns. Okay, Familiar Patterns. You were both talking at the same time, yeah. and I, it was an unfamiliar pattern to me. <laughs> so this is familiar, and we talked about it. This is the, do you want to say anything more about it, Steph, other than the, the, the joke that I pointed out? <laughs> no. <laughs> I, th I think, I think uh, often the lyrics are very blunt. They yes, it's true. for themselves. You don't have to do interviews. This was a waste of time. <laughs> I, like, I personally like that Stefan fit the line, douche chills. Oh. into this record into this song okay. alright well let's look out for that uh, on your hi-fi alright this is uh, Familiar Patterns by Pup uh, Stefan uh, Steven thank you so much for being on the show Steven welcome back to the show and uh, you know best of luck with everything thank you man thanks Vish
Whoa, there you go, Pup. Familiar Patterns. That band doesn't really fool around, do they? Does they? They don't. Familiar Patterns from the new Pup album, The Dream Is Over. Quite the story, wouldn't you say? It's nuts. It's kind of nuts. Well, good luck to Stefan. Hopefully you don't see Pup uh, with Stefan and he's got blood pouring out of his mouth because that would be bad. But you might because he doesn't seem to care that doctors have told him not to do what he's doing. That's good. That's a good attitude. Don't listen to doctors. What do they know? All of medical school. Anyway, thanks again, Stefan and Steve, for being on the show. Go see Pup. If you live in any kind of town, the odds are good Pup will be there pretty soon because they tour very hard and they will be touring very soon. Go to pupftheband.com, I believe, for more information. Is that right? Did I get that right? Yeah, I did. Pupftheband.com. I just made that up. That could have been any kind of domain. Pupftheband.com. Speaking of websites, go to vishkana.com for more information about this show, Creative Control with Vishkana. There you will see every single one of the 268 episodes of this show. And you'll also learn how to access the program via iTunes uh, and audioboom.com and whatever Android, whatever other kind of phone you have or device. There are ways at vishkana.com to access the show, download the show, stream the show, tell your friends about the show, most importantly, please, because I don't know. We should spread the word about this thing that we listen to every week. Well, you listen to it. I, I'm frankly sick of it. Anyway, also, you can go to patreon.com. Go to patreon.com to make a flexible monthly donation to keep the podcast going. Uh, go to the Facebook page. Creative Control Vishkan is on Facebook. Like the page. Follow us on Twitter, at Vish Creative. Uh, listen to a version of this show every Wednesday uh, at noon Eastern Standard Time via CFRU.ca or CFRU 93.3 FM in Guelph. And that's it. That's all I have to say for now. There's more episodes coming, more exciting episodes. I'm contemplating taking a break in August because I need to. Uh, But I will fill you in on that at some point. Okay? Thank you for listening. Thanks, pup. Goodbye. For now. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. 
The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. On Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.